Welcome to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. And I'm Jordan Duncan. And our desire with this podcast is to show you how easy and enjoyable it is to come to Scripture and walk away having heard the words of God and being changed by Amen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our first podcast on the Gospel of Mark officially. Uh, hopefully, you've had the chance to go through our introduction where Jordan did a great job of just kind of breaking down what is the Gospel of Mark all about and some helpful uh, tools to actually walk us through the reading of Scripture in general. Uh, this time, we're going to start right at the very beginning, Mark 1. Uh, we're going to start right in verse 1, and we're going to go through till verse 15. That first section is going to be what we're going to focus on today. Uh, and we're just going to ask Jordan to kick us off. And uh, yeah, what? where do you want to start, Jordan? Well, why don't we start in verse 1? <laughs> that's a good place. I like that place. It, it even says the beginning, so I guess <laughs> that's where we could start. Um, so I just read that, and like I said in the overview, that's kind of Mark's, I keep calling him John, which I think his name is John Mark. It was, I think, yeah. That's a fun fact. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, that's uh, Mark's thesis statement, essentially. Um, so uh, it's probably something worth memorizing, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, um, because it's like when I write a paper, if I don't put my thesis, if I don't write out my thesis statement on a, on a piece of paper and tape it right in front of me, my paper will go off on all sorts of rabbit trails. That's a good idea. It, it's very helpful. Wow. I've yeah. never thought of that before. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, because I always forget, what am I talking about? And I get excited about something else that's not relevant to my paper. But uh, in this case, I think whatever we come up against in Mark and we go, what is this about? I think we just go back to verse one, chapter one, verse one and go, oh, so he's trying to tell us something about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God and how that began, which probably just to think on that for a second, I'd go, um, the way that the ESV has it is unhelpful to me because it's, um, it, this is very religious language that I'm very familiar with, but to, to pull it apart a little bit and go, okay, he's talking about the gospel. That means good news. So just really plain language. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus. Um, he says Jesus Christ, which is Jesus the Messiah. Mm. And that has all sorts of ramifications that I'm not even really familiar with because it meant something to the Jews that it, it was a bigger thing than I understand. So yeah. it would be helpful for me to at least respect that. And then what does it mean for him to be the son of God? Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to. I don't want to reduce those my those terms to just my understanding of what they are and what I've picked up from like Sunday school, like yeah. flannel graph yeah. or Veggie Tales. <laughs> I love flannel graphs. <laughs> it is helpful, but so good. Do you have another thought on that? Well, I think like you, I think part of it is when you're going into the scriptures, it's helpful to just think about what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know he's just made a huge claim. And if you think about the fact that some people would have read the gospel, like Mark's writings, uh, the gospel according to Mark, that would have been their introduction to this story. Right, yeah. Right? And so now there's all of a sudden this claim, Jesus is the son of God. Yeah. He is the Christ. What does that mean? Yeah. And why is it important? And, you know, the son of God, that seems like a big thing. That's a big title. Right, yeah. right out at the beginning. Now, for us, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, 
those things just pass right by and you don't think about them. Uh, but Mark has made a big claim right from the beginning. And for me, it actually rolls right into verse two. Mm. That That's actually the mm-hmm. next, uh, it was kind of the, one of the first things that really jumped out to me was um, he now pulls it into the old covenant, the old Testament, Yeah. right? He's saying, this is Jesus. He is the Christ. He's the son of God. Oh, and by the way, for hundreds or more of years, yeah. we have writings about this guy. Yeah. And it's like all of a sudden you're going, oh, this guy has not, he's not just a guy who's important. Mm-hmm. He's someone that's been talked about for years and years and years. A whole people group has been waiting for him. Yeah. And this is what Mark is trying to bring it to attention. I think it's just the fact that he immediately goes to the Old Testament Yeah, is very interesting and a lot of fun. Yes. And I think that... Also, that's probably also very important for us to understand right off the bat and and to come back to every time we're reading something that we don't fully understand is to one go, okay, well, Mark's already told us what he's trying to do here in verse one, but also that he is so clear from the beginning that what he's trying to do is tell us about Jesus and make Jesus um, the the or or paint Jesus in a picture of he's the one that has been written about for thousands of years. Yeah. And so he continually, sometimes overtly, like he does here, he goes, it's written in Isaiah the prophet. Yeah. And so you can go back and you know exactly where to turn to. But there's going to be a lot of times where it's very subtle what mm-hmm. he's doing and so subtle that we'll probably just miss a lot of them. Yeah. But... um one thing I think we'll have to keep looking at, and even just as a things we can just point out, um, but we won't have time to study and dive into, is uh, what Tim Mackey from the Bible Project calls mm. hyperlinks. Mm. So it's like a Wikipedia page where in any Wikipedia page, every word that also has a Wikipedia article right. is highlighted in blue and underlined, and you can just yeah. click on that word and it'll yeah. take you to that article. And so he explains that the Bible is is basically doing that all the way through. Yeah. So everything has hyperlinks all the way back to tons of other stuff that's already come before. Yeah, it's true. And so um, it's just going to be fun to look for those and, and point them out because that's really where the the um, the fuller meaning of scripture comes from that yeah. we often miss because we just pass yeah. it by and we're unfamiliar with it. But yeah. Um, so for those of you who are wanting more to study off of this, I think that would be, that would be the first place to go is yeah. notice the things that might be hyperlinks back to something in the Old Testament and then go study that. So even this, um, this one's very overt and explicit as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. But what's interesting is the quote he gives mm. is partially Isaiah, yeah. partially a paraphrase, partially his own words, and also partially Malachi. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. He's, so he's already, and it's not like Mark's trying to trick us and do something <laughs> underhanded. He's aware of what he's doing and yeah. the readers would have been too. So it's interesting just to think about, hmm, I wonder why he made those choices. Yeah. Well, I think it's really good too when you're talking about the hyperlinks. If you are reading with us, I'm using an ESV. Are you using mm-hmm. an ESV? Yeah, so we're both yeah. using ESV. <clears throat> Mine has uh, like a concordance that runs through the middle of it. And so it's constantly footnoting those different things. If you're reading a Bible that has those, I think it's a really good option, uh, as Jordan said, to kind of start there. 
Um, normally, I think what happens with studying, I know that I had a tendency myself, is that when I wanted to do further study in the scriptures, I very quickly moved away from the scriptures hmm. and went to someone else and what yeah. they had to say about the scriptures. Yeah. And I think that the that is helpful because there's very smart people, much smarter than us. I'll put Jordan in the, you know, put in that with me. I don't know if he mm-hmm. likes that, but <laughs> but um, there's really brilliant people out there to read on what the scriptures are saying. But I think that we ultimately have to start, as Jordan said, with what are the scriptures telling us uh, with those hyperlinks? You know, what is he actually, what's Mark tying us into? Because he's got a whole story of 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 a people group that has led, uh, you know, from the very beginning of creation, right? That's where their story begins is what Israel believes we began, you know, Genesis 1-1. This is our story Mm. and this is our God Hmm. and we are this people. And that whole story right up until Jesus' entrance in, in the incarnation, is what's led to this moment. So uh, I don't know, those sorts of things that, at least for me, it actually helps me going in because I find I'm already starting in a place of worship yeah. because of it. Because I'm, I'm reading these things, going, "Oh my gosh, think about where these people came from. Yeah, think about everything that they know about their history, and now all of a sudden the Christ is here. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a that's such a bigger thing than I can even imagine. <laughs> me too. And yeah. I always skip over that fact. Totally. And it's, um, it's interesting too, just as you're saying that, it makes me think that even Jesus's story is important. So his life and his story are important because of how they're a part of the bigger story yeah. of what God's doing. Yeah. And so I'm always having to remind myself of that about my own life, Yeah. that I'm not important for any reason other than... I've decided to try and give my entire life to God and make yeah. my story a part of what God's yeah. doing. Yeah. And right off the bat, that's what Mark does with Jesus. He yeah. goes, Jesus is really important because of look how he's tied into this bigger story. Totally. And I think the, I don't, I don't remember who it was. I think it might've been Tim Keller, but it, it was either Tim Keller or John Piper. I think they were even having a conversation, but they, they essentially laid that out in this one Hmm. video I watched of them, a gospel coalition video where they said the climax of the story of God is Jesus. Well, the climax of Jesus' life is the cross, right? And so there's these like pinpoints where we have to, um, we have to see the importance of them, right? We can't say Jesus is less important or necessarily even equally important to other things that happened in the story of God. It is God taking on flesh. This is like the climax of the story of God, right? Redemption for the whole world. But that being said, it isn't that there is no story but Jesus. Right. Right? Yeah. And we can so easily get there. Yeah. When we try and make Jesus um, the center we can often make Jesus not just the center, but everything. And we mm-hmm. lose, somehow, some respects, you can almost lose the Trinity, like, right? Like yeah. you lose the other right. aspects of yeah. God, the other persons of, yeah. of, of the Trinity. I think we might be on a tangent, but... Probably. <laughs> but I think it's important because I think that's going to keep coming up. Yeah. Is how, if we only understand Jesus as a part of Jesus's story, mm-hmm. then we've actually, we're going to, we're not going to understand Jesus. Yeah. We're going to reduce him. Oh, that's good. And he won't be 
everything. We're, we're not going to understand what he wants us to understand about himself. I yeah. Think. But I like that. We don't, we'll reduce him. I'm going to think about that for a while. <laughs> okay. Keep, keep us going. Yeah. Let's keep going. Um, so did we, did you say that, uh, at the beginning that people listening to this should have already read these verses because we're not going to just read them? No, I didn't. That's okay. probably a good thing to say now. Well, yeah. Now <laughs> that you are partway through here, just, uh, We'll probably have the verses in the title of the podcast. Yeah. So read those verses before you listen to us. We're not going to read through all of it. We'll have read it and then just be reflecting in the podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, so then maybe we can just start summarizing some of these pieces. Sure. But so it gives the Isaiah Malachi quote and about behold, I send my messenger um, and a bit about preparing our way being prepared and the way of the Lord being prepared. That's kind of what stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John appears as, and if you're noticing the hyperlinks, John is appearing as this like second Elijah type figure. Yeah. Um, but he's baptizing people in the wilderness. Uh, it's a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And they're down at the river Jordan. Um, and then he, he gives this announcement that, someone else is coming who will mm-hmm. baptize with the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, any reflection there? Well, I think, I mean, I can go on about John the Baptist for an yeah. eternity. Yeah. I, there's, uh, just like his looks alone, probably <laughs> you've had done a lot of reflection on that. I probably have. Yeah. Probably too much. Mm-hmm. I think that John the Baptist is such an interesting character for so many mm-hmm. reasons. But, um, one of, one of the things that I find so intriguing about him is that when he's on the scene, he, he really is a prophet of old. Hmm. So he's walking the earth and, and Israel is looking to him. The people love him yeah. as if he is a set up prophet for the nation, which mm. he is. Mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. recognizes that. Um, but it's so interesting because he knows that he's literally right before, like he's on the cusp of the Messiah coming, yeah. which is a little different than what the other prophets spoke of. They did speak of you know, the Messiah coming very quickly, but he has a different way about him. Yeah, and and I think you know the even the the prophets of the Old Testament, they when they wrote, some of them wrote about John. Yeah, right. And yeah. I think that that's really intriguing yeah. and important to see huh. also, because it also speaks to that story, right? They don't they don't only say so there will be a Messiah that come. They they talk about the one that will help make straight. Yeah, right. The paths for the Messiah to come. Yeah, and. And yet John, we know very little about. Yeah. But I think there's a story in that that I love, mm. which is that John is this massive figure mm. and Israel sees him as so important and so um, recognized and the prophets of old have spoken about him and he's exalted as a prophet among the nations. And he's also a little bit of a weirdo, mm-hmm. which kind of helps him in that regard, I think, um, in the sense that he just kind of is set apart. There's this set apartness about him. Um but all of that is dwarfed because Jesus is about to come on the scene. Yeah. Now, it wouldn't have been in the day, yeah. right? Because John was around before Jesus was around. Jesus was unknown. Yeah. And John is already ministering. And I think Mark is telling us that, right? Jo- mm-hmm. John appeared and he's in some ways a fulfillment of uh, the voice crying out in the wilderness yeah. to make straight the paths of, for the Lord to come. So he appears and he's baptizing in the wilderness, which... Man, the connotations there for anyone yeah. that has sacramental theology, baptizing in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. Mm. 
I don't know if I don't, that's a big tangent. So I'm going to leave that a little bit, but I love that. Um, But ultimately he's just saying, and we, we come right to the end. I'm skipping over some stuff here. I realize, but down to to verse eight, uh, I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And there we see, here's the distinction. It's these prophets are, uh, created beings and interact on a created level. I'm using water and Jesus is coming and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So where I use the, you know, what's given to me by God, he's coming with as God. Wow. Right. And yeah. I just, I read that and I go, John is constantly making that distinction between him and Jesus. Hmm. And that's what makes him so great as a prophet. Yeah. Is that he's, he knows where he stands with the people of Israel and he doesn't reject it right? He brings them into the wilderness and he baptizes them. He has lots of followers. He doesn't reject the people from following him because he knows his ultimate end is to give them to Jesus, hmm. which I just, I love that picture. Wow. There's a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that there was, is. I had not thought of most of that. <laughs> like even the, the thought of, I don't know if there's any, um, like if the prophets of the Old Testament ever prophesied about another prophet, coming yeah, other than John I, yeah. and obviously Jesus. Yeah. That, I've never thought about that. That's interesting. And then for, so if for him to be that big of a deal and he's so minimized and yeah. he minimizes himself. Yeah. Hmm. And, and to be like held or spoken of as like the greatest of the old covenant prophets. Mm-hmm. And we know almost nothing and we hear almost nothing from him. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's supposed to show the importance, but also how muted yeah. They are in comparison. Yeah. Like there's a both end too. Yeah. And like, and it kind of reaffirms that part about, so for myself, I think of my story and go, maybe I'm going to be someone great and, yeah. and amazing. Yeah. Well, even if that's true, best case scenario, I minimize myself yeah, and totally. I make this, whatever my ministry is, my great calling ministry stuff. Yeah. I make that about, leading people to Jesus. Yeah. And um, I actually, so I read this, I don't know if it was this account or a different gospel, but I read it and it really stuck out to me if, about a year ago um, mm. about the ones coming after me mm. are, are um, like, like to serve them and to point them to Jesus. Yeah. And to the point where I wrote that phrase on a little piece of paper and I have it stuck on my wall above my desk in my office, just that, whatever my ministry and calling and service is about, mm-hmm. however great and wonderful it, I want it to be, yeah. it's actually about making the ones coming after me greater yeah. and, but also, and elevating Jesus, yeah. making Jesus greater and known yeah. to the ones coming after me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you, you just said something I think I'd like to highlight just for a second. You just said you printed it on a piece of paper and stuck it to you know, above your desk to keep in front of you. Um, I would just, I just want to put that in front of anyone that's listening. Um, I think that when you're going through the scriptures, God is going to highlight things to you um, that might be different even than what Jordan and I are finding. Mm -hmm. Um, Let that be the case and take those things that he, even if you don't understand them totally. Yeah. I think sometimes he, sometimes the things that I understand the least are the things I can't get out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I want to attain knowledge. It's because God is wanting me to seek it out a bit. Mm. He's wanting me to understand what he's been saying there. 
So just as a, a way of kind of helping the process, I think it's really important and a really good option to actually take, uh, you know, scriptures, print them out or write them out in your journal or whatever you might might do. Stick them up on your mirror, stick them up on different places. I, there's a lot of Christian cliches around stuff like yeah. that. Like, yeah. you know, you're walking around your house and you got post-it notes all over the place with encouraging words of how Jesus loves you and yeah. those sorts of things. Um, I don't actually really care yeah. if it's a Christian cliche, <laughs> if it's right. Yeah. And I think that we've got to keep the scriptures in front of us. Yeah. And we're, we've been so concerned with what's a cliche and what's not mm. that we've shut some really good things down just because, well, I don't want to be that Christian. Yeah. Um, be that Christian. Yeah. Cross stitch it if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> Cross stitching's got to come back at some point, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. So at the end of this John piece, he says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the one coming after me is mightier than I. Yeah. Um, I read all that and then I go, whoa, who is this guy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so then it moves into the next piece where Jesus comes down, gets baptized by John. As he's coming up out of the water, the heavens uh, mm-hmm. are torn open. The spirit descends on him like a dove and a voice, the father from heaven says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Um, right there, we've got a picture of the Trinity. Amazing. Which is neat. Yeah. It, right, right at the beginning of the gospel of Mark. Yeah. Where's the Trinity in scripture? There. Right there. Right there. Right. <laughs> like yeah. at the baptism of Jesus. Mm. And it's, I love the distinction. The dove comes down from the heavens. Mm. So it is now in some way, in some form, it's trying to show it as not present in the heavens, mm. rests on the sun. Yeah. And a voice comes from the heavens still. Right. Right. Huh. Like that, that yeah. it really shows the distinction. Um, in, of the persons. Yeah. Love it. That's neat. Um, so again, with that piece, you read that and then you go, who is this Jesus? <laughs> yeah. So this guy that John was talking about is Jesus yeah. and more happens that makes you go, who is he? Yeah. Well, we already know he's, you know, the father is saying that he is the beloved son. Yeah. So what Mark has claimed in the first verse, he's now proving. Yeah. Right? In this story, he yeah. goes, oh, and this is why yeah. I think this. It's not just some random thing. No. There was a literal voice from heaven. Mm. And even that it's at the beginning of Jesus's life, like it's not like yeah. he slowly built his ministry to a place of doing something and it culminated in the cross. That happens, yeah. but right out the gate, um, at, yeah. when the ministry begins, this is yeah. maybe the most explicit Heart. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. I can I just say one thing mm-hmm. I thought was interesting as I was reading through it. Sometimes the the breakup in scripture isn't the most helpful because it can make us think we gotta stop in certain places. Yeah. But the transition from, from eight to nine is really interesting to me because John says, I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If we have it, what we could do with that is say, oh, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's important, not the Mm. baptism of water. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus comes in and says, hey, can you baptize me with water? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) well, hold on a second. Like, I thought you were bringing a new baptism that's greater. Mm. True. Mm -hmm. But he wants what has also been on offer. Yeah. And I just think he he validates what John has been doing, but he also validates baptism. 
yeah. in that moment. There's, now, this is some sacramental theology stuff that I, that I just love, but you know, this idea of Jesus being baptized, if we, in being saved, are united with Christ, then this is like part of our story. Yeah. I, yeah. I really love wow. that. I love thinking through the fact that Jesus' baptism here hmm. um, is not different than my baptism. Right. That it's actually something that that speaks out over me. So when I, the truth is, I was really excited to do the Gospel of Mark in because of these sorts of sections where mm-hmm. the baptism of Jesus has been so important to me because we see the Trinity, uh, because we see him validate John and John's ministry and what John did, and because we see him validate uh, baptism and receive the declaration of his sonship all in one. It all yeah. happens at the same time. Yeah. I, it blows me away how much is just transpired in such a few verses in yeah. Mark. Okay, so that makes me think of something else. Okay. <laughs> um, so something else that's going on here is um, John. the reason John's going to the Jordan to baptize, like there's other bodies of water that he could go to, yeah. much easier to get to Yeah, yeah. as well. Like I yeah. think I just heard recently it was like a 20-mile hike and probably a thousand feet in elevation difference yeah. between Jerusalem to the Jordan. So people are going on a huge multiple day journey to get there, big yeah. hike. Um, so why the Jordan? Mm. Because that's where Israel crossed into the land and became Israel. Mm-hmm. So John's going saying, calling people out to the place of Israel's birth wow. to, re- to repent of essentially not being Israel, mm. not being what Israel is called to. And, experience a little bit of a new birth. Yeah. That's not the language here, but yeah. um, kind of a, a new exodus yeah, yeah. even um, coming through the waters. And so there's all that going on. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, I think part of why Jesus said, because there's lots of questions, why would Jesus need a baptism for the forgiveness of sins yeah. if he's sinless? Yeah, totally. I think the other, I think it's because of this. Mm-hmm. It was also about an identification of um, being one with Israel, aligning with mm. what Israel was called to mm. in order to fulfill that mm. and to fulfill God's plan for Israel yeah. in being Israel. And then the response, so Jesus says, I'm going to align with this yeah. and go back to the place of Israel's birth, walk through the waters mm. and and be what Israel was supposed to be, wow. like all the other people were doing. Yeah. But Jesus does it. And then the response when Jesus does it is God says, this is my beloved son. Hmm. The other use of um, that phrase about God's son is of Israel. Hmm. Uh, so in the Old Testament, that's a hyperlink to yeah. God refers to Israel as his son, right. whom he loves. Yeah. And, and then, which is also a hyperlink back to the story of uh, Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. And... That's how Isaac is referred to as the beloved son. Yeah. And so God's response to Jesus saying, I'll be Israel hmm. and try to be what Israel is supposed to be is yeah. you are Israel. Right. So then all of that to come back to what you said about us being united with Jesus and yeah. being one with Jesus, yeah. we are then, if this is important, an important piece of who Jesus is, that he is almost in a sense, Israel incarnate. Right. Right. The fulfillment of what Israel is supposed to be. Yeah. And God affirms that. Yeah. Then we are one with that. And so we're one with Israel's story. Wow. And all of a sudden Israel's story becomes so much more important than I ever give it credit. Jeez. Wow. That's fun. 
That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> These are all just fresh thoughts. <laughs> yeah, really exciting. Wow. I mean, I think that this is, I, if you're listening here, that this is part of our hope is that this is kind of where you would go with this is that you'd start to tie some things together because mm-hmm. Jordan and I are sitting in this room looking at each other kind of going, wow, as <laughs> yeah. we're talking through this stuff because we, the realistically, we're just like you. We go to the scriptures and we read them and we can pass through all this stuff without thinking. Yeah. But if you just take some time and you read through slowly and let the whole story speak to everything you're reading. Hmm. And sometimes you'll get it wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you'll read something, you'll go, oh, I bet this is tied to that. And then you go read that and you go, oh no, it's not. Nope. That's not it. Yeah. But that's okay. And totally. that's actually part of the process. And yeah. it can be fun. Yeah. Right. And so this is the refining and, and you, it, it's just exciting to be able to jump into it. We're, we're sitting here super excited going through this. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So with all of that, then we go, Jesus, wow. Who is this guy that yeah. God would break open heaven, send his spirit and say this about Jesus. Yeah. And then it moves to the temptation. Mm, yeah. Um, wow. I don't have a lot to reflect on. I'm trying to think of how we can wrap this up quicker. But sure. Can I say <laughs> so, something about temptation? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, because the, the, this is something I got taught by a friend and have studied multiple times and just mm-hmm. love. The, the language, the, the spirit drove him mm. out into the wilderness. Mm. Um, I, I love this imagery because partially we've just been reading about someone who is taking people into the wilderness to lead them into the promised land. Wow, yeah. Right? And now Jesus is being drove by the spirit back into the wilderness mm. after his declaration of his sonship. Um, a couple things just to note about that. The, the fact that the spirit drove him there. Yeah. I think we, in our union with Christ, in our connection with him, we have to, for me personally, that devotionally just helps me understand that mm. the spirit at times is going to lift me up. And he's going to carry me, carry me into a place like a wilderness that doesn't feel great. Yeah, and wouldn't be the place I'd choose to go on my own, yeah. but it's the spirit that's done it, and that the spirit isn't necessarily gone because I'm in the wilderness, hmm. but He took me there. Yeah, um, and so there's there's lots to say about the actual temptation itself, but I just thought, you know, this idea of um, out of the wilderness into the promised land, straight back into the wilderness, this kind of concept hmm. that seems to be played out here, very very under the surface. It's not something that's prominent, um, Mm. but that it's the spirit that does it. So this spirit that's now descended on Jesus uh, like a dove in his baptism is also now uh, actually carrying forward in, in his ministry and in in his call. Um, I think this is just a beautiful picture of what the spirit does with us, that when he comes and descends upon us and dwells in us, that he actually then, uh, because we've given him the right and said, yes, he goes, okay, let's go for a journey. And sometimes he takes us into places we wouldn't choose to go ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. lots of times. Yeah. Wow. So Rob got all of that from these two verses. <laughs> all I got was, was uh, wow. Okay, so the Spirit's driving him. That's great. <laughs> Satan shows up to tempt him. Uh, and there's angels that are coming to minister to him. Yeah. And again, I go... Well, who is this guy? Yeah. So wow. I don't know. I think just once I get something stuck in my head, I, I just see it everywhere. <laughs> that's a good thing. So that's, that's all great. I got from that is just going, hmm, this guy must be important, this mm-hmm. Jesus fellow. Of course, I know that he is, but I'm just, I'm trying to read it with fresh eyes and of go, course. what is Mark 
trying to communicate to someone who's maybe never heard this story and yeah. what would someone who's never heard this story be thinking? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then the last two verses of this section, um, John is arrested. Jesus comes into Galilee and he's proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God, which is this, according to Jesus, that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he says, repent and believe in this good news. Mm. And so for me, even just for this passage, um, I go, I think that's, that seems to be what Mark is wanting us to walk away from mm. this, all of, all of this with is a, a summary that um, the time is fulfilled. Uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, there's, there's kind of this preparation theme oh. in the beginning of, of the quote with Isaiah about um, someone's coming to prepare our way. So we need to be prepared. Mm. And then, you know, repentance is how we, or, or baptism of repentance is how we prepare um, or how Israel was preparing, but also that this is a preparation of the Lord mm-hmm. or, or the Lord's way being prepared. Mm. And kind of, I get the sense that in this passage, the Lord's going like, I'm ready. My, my way's prepared. You need to be ready. You need to yeah. prepare. So I'm walking away from this passage with that thought of how do I prepare? So if the Lord's ready to do something, how do I get ready? Mm-hmm. And the Lord being ready shows up here, I think in, in him going, the time is fulfilled. Yeah. I'm ready. Like yeah, the well, kingdom of God is near. I, my kingdom, my rule is at hand. It's here. And so maybe that preparation looks like repentance and belief. Right. That's good. I, question for you, just to yeah. end it off. Do you think that this, the way that Mark has written this and in, the, and in the order he has and kind of ending this section here, do you think this is also in a way he's trying to help us be prepared for the rest of the gospel? It, mm. What I mean by that is the so the the time is fulfilled. So he at the very beginning he talks about you know prophecy. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of saying the time is fulfilled. Remember how oh, I wow. said at the very yeah. beginning that God that Jesus is the Christ and he's the one proclaimed. Uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning, hey, you saw this picture of God, right? This is he's now present. He's here, yeah. and he's overthrowing Satan. And he's, you know, he's doing all of these things already in, in quiet where mm-hmm. no one sees. Um, so before you get into the stories, before you hear the rest, right. yeah. take some time, repent uh-huh. and believe in the good news because that's how you'll actually get the rest of this. And mm. I, at least that's how I read it personally. So maybe devotionally, as we've been trying to make that part of our purpose here, is I actually want to take the opportunity here to say, okay, so what do I have to repent of? Mm-hmm. And seeing God in this huge picture now and the big story of God and all the stuff that has just been shown to us in a few short verses, what are the things I need to repent of? And in what new ways do I need to believe the good news of Jesus and see this big picture again so that when I'm going through the rest of this book, I'm open mm-hmm. and I'm ready to see it? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I think, I think it is that where this is a moment where you pause and go, Okay, what do I already need to repent of? Yeah. Uh, what does belief look like in the good news? And then again, it'll, I think it'll serve going forward as he begins to tell stories. Yeah. That I think that's how he wants us to respond, mm-hmm. especially because, um, you know, do I believe in the gospel? Do I believe in the good news? I would say that I do, but I think as we're gonna go through the story, is the the Jews would have thought that they would too. Yeah until the good news starts unfolding before them. Mm. And some of them see it and recognize it as good news. 
and some of it don't see it as good news and they don't believe in it. Yeah. And Mm. I think that'll start becoming a, a pattern that we'll have to look for even in our own lives going, is there good news going on that God's doing? And I'm, I don't think it's good news. You know, it's not good news for me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, I feel like I have a ton more I could say Mm -hmm. just in questions alone, but um, maybe we'll end it there for this first section. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks for following along with us. Uh, This is really exciting, really fun for us. And hopefully you are uh, receiving from it. And uh, yeah, just let us know uh, what you think. Get back to us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, hopefully you can uh, continue on this journey with us through the Gospel of Mark.